On today's episode of Still Processing, Damian Lillard finally traded from the Portland Trailblazers. We take a look at the trade details, break down some of the winners and losers, and evaluate the NBA landscape after the fact. Also, we take a look at what this means for Philadelphia, including a possible reunion with a guard involved in the Damian Lillard trade. All that and more on today's edition of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. Welcome to another episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Chavalella, here with my co-host, Justin Crosby, and our producer, that is producer Andy Quach. How are you guys doing today? Yo, man. It finally happened. The log jam is over. Yeah. So, I'm just waiting to see what happens now. One of two major off-season trades has finally happened. Damian Lillard. No longer a Portland Trailblazer. Feels very weird to actually say now that it's happened. Uh, and he, of course, goes to the Milwaukee Bucks, which is uh, probably wasn't the the most highly expected option. I think a lot of people still felt he was going to go to Miami, uh, to the Heat, despite how disinterested Portland was in negotiating with the Heat. Uh, but now you're looking at, Damian Lillard as a buck playing there with Giannis, with Chris Middleton, the ageless Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, and and everybody else Milwaukee has to offer. And uh, it's 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 definitely a tight team there. But uh, before we kind of get into all the fallout from, from all this, let's take a look at the details of the deal. Obviously, Damian Lillard headed to Milwaukee. Uh, Portland, in exchange, will be receiving Drew Holiday. DeAndre Ayton, former number one overall pick of the Phoenix Suns. Tomani Kamara, Milwaukee's 2029 unprotected first round pick and unprotected swaps with Milwaukee in 28 and 30. Uh, So obviously I mentioned Ayton, that means the Phoenix Suns have been involved as well. They will be landing Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. Like when you talk about a blockbuster trade, that's exactly what this is. And you know, the first thing that I really want to know before we kind of take a look a little deeper, Andy, you are our in-house Portland Trailblazers expert, of course, covering the team previously as you did. What is the mood out of Portland? What's the feeling? What's your personal feeling on this resolution to the trade saga? So despite losing probably the best player in franchise history. The mood is actually really great right now in Portland. And that's for two reasons. The first one is just relief. This has been an ongoing saga for two, three months now. And uh, it looked like for a while there was just no progress and people didn't know what was going on. Was Dame going to show up for training camp? Um, How ugly could this get? Is he going to hold out? Is he going to refuse to play? Uh, Is he going to refuse to play for a team that's not Miami if they do get a deal done? 
So that part of it, just being able to move on and know what the roster is looking like heading into the season has got to be a huge sense of relief. And we're definitely getting that from the fan base. And then the other thing that's got people jumping for joy right now is pure spite for the Miami Heat. And the Heat went into this offseason coming off a finals run, earned everybody's respect. Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Butler uh, doesn't get better than that. But through this saga, it got it did get pretty annoying, even from someone who wanted to see Dame on the Heat. I love Jimmy Butler. I always thought Dame and Jimmy are synonymous in terms of their mentality and how they approach the game, how they have this belief that it doesn't matter really who's behind them. Um, uh, what matters is what's in front of them. And I, I always wanted to see them two play together, preferably on the Portland Trailblazers. But I, I was elated to see that he wanted to go to Miami. And a lot of people may have thought like, oh, he's they're literally coming off a finals appearance. But it was my genuine belief that no matter where Miami had finished the season, even if they missed the playoffs, he wanted to be there because of the heat culture, because of how great he would get along with Jimmy. And of course, his relationship with Bam. So people are pretty happy. Um, I do think that maybe they should tone it down a smidge. Uh, I'm not saying this deal is worse than the Miami deal because it could end up better. Maybe Aiton blossoms outside of Phoenix finally. And, you know, the, the Miami's package for sure wasn't the best out there, which was what was holding it up this whole time. But it's kind of hard to say that objectively they came away with a better deal. Um, it's pretty subjective at this point. It, it definitely depends on what they can get for Drew Holiday and if DeAndre Ayton works out. Um, but something I do love in this deal for Portland are those two unprotected swap rights in 2028 and 2030. That is seven and nine years from now. And as we know, within five years in the NBA, you could be going from a championship contender to the bottom of the barrel. So, that's something that they can look forward to, regardless of how Aiden turns out, regardless of who's will, who's willing to send something good back for Drew Holiday. Um, but yeah, overall, I think I think they did get to spite Miami, which is a bonus. Um, I don't, I can't say for sure that they objectively made out better than the Miami package. Um, there was a rumor that Miami was including Tyler Hero and two first-round picks in their in their trade for Damian Lillard, which at first reads as pretty disrespectful for a player that made the all 75 anniversary team. But the wording on that was including. So there could have been other things. I think Miami actually could have trumped the package if they included all seven of their assets, like they said, which included more picks, Caleb Martin, Nikola Jovic, Jaime Jaquez. Um, but it, it really does depend on how much of that package they were willing to put in there. Um, so if, if, if it really was just Tyler Hero and two picks, then yeah, they did make out better, but we'll have to wait for the reporting on that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a moot point for now. Uh, there's going to be several different uh, leaks coming from several different sources, just trying to control the narrative. Uh, based on what I've heard and, and just my own uh, personal analysis, considering what we know of the Miami Heat, what we know of Pat Riley, I highly doubt they were anywhere near giving up close to those seven assets. Uh, you know, that were previously mentioned. So uh, I, I think it, it really was a kind of situation where Riley, <laughs> to a fault, was comfortable not mortgaging the future for Lillard, which 
for a lot of teams, I think that's a, a legitimate concern to have not mortgaging the future for Miami. I would not have that same concern if I were in that situation, but to each their own. Uh, so when we look at how this affects, you know, the, the league going forward, or I guess even before we get to that, you know, let's kind of break down some of these, uh, you know, who, who, who finds themselves as a, a winner or a loser out of this entire deal. I, I feel that we can say with absolute certainty that Giannis is a winner in this deal. The dude went from talking about leaving Milwaukee potentially to the team immediately uh, adding a, a, an all-time NBA talent. Uh, we can talk about, uh, I would say, the Blazers as a winner. Uh, looking at DeAndre Ayton, someone who uh, Jake Fisher months ago reported that the Blazers had registered a level of interest in acquiring Ayton. So uh, they finally get their guy. They get draft compensation. You know, they they get off of Dame's contract, which for a team that's not ready to compete yet, that's meaningful to them as well. And also whatever they get from Drew Holiday. Now, we'll talk about what that potentially could be a little bit later on. But the potential for this deal for Portland actually looks pretty good early on. Now, you can't give it – it's not an A. I'm not going to give it an A. Uh, I would argue it's an incomplete. But if I'm putting something on it, I would probably call it – in in. it's somewhere in the Bs. Bs, you could possibly convince me to a B plus, uh, depending on what we find out from here. And then we talk about the Phoenix Suns. Yusuf Nurkic has his fans, and he has those that aren't as high on him across the league. That's that's people in the league, that's fans, that's media, everybody. And the truth could very well lie somewhere in the middle as far as how good of a player he is and what he brings to the table. But it's very clear the Phoenix Suns valued him, and they were able to get not just Yusuf Nurkic, they were able to get Grayson Allen, they are able to get Nasir Little, who I think has been uh, an underutilized player just because he hasn't really had the opportunity for the right role in Portland in the past. Uh, so for a team where he can play a designated role in Phoenix, uh, I think it's actually a solid acquisition for them. Uh, I think Phoenix is is a winner in this. You know, they they clearly didn't love Aiton. You know, they 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 cherished a former number one overall pick enough not to get rid of him for nothing, but they clearly weren't enamored by him. They clearly didn't really have the offensive touches to support the game he wanted to play going forward. And on top of that, you know, they were able to, yes, maybe they gave up the 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 best player of any player that touched Phoenix. So Damian Lillard excluded, Andrew Holiday excluded as well. Uh, but they were able to spread that out, which is what Phoenix really needs to do. That's what they're looking for, getting that depth, acquiring that depth for the upcoming season. So I have Phoenix as a winner. But Justin, who did you really see? Did you see anyone that, that stood out as a winner before we get to our losers? All right, so winner, definitely to me. I mean, you already mentioned it, Like DeAndre Ayton is a winner to me, a major winner, just because yeah. he clearly didn't want to be in Phoenix anymore. He had beef with the coach, clearly organization, ownership, all that, you know, they didn't want to really deal with him. He literally landed back there because it was like, I guess we got to match the offer. So he tried to leave anyway. Right. And imagine, I'm, I'm not saying they would be world beaters, but imagine DeAndre Eaton with Tyler, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. That'd be a great 
one, two, pick and roll, not great, but really good. But I think Aiton definitely is a winner. Um, but I'm more focused on the losers. And I have a big loser. And that big loser is Musayu Jerry and the Toronto Raptors. Mm. Losers. Mm. And I know it's out of the box, but it's like, bro, make a deal. Like, that's all yeah. I got to say. Like, just make a deal, bro. And it's like, you guys were the quote-unquote front runners. I mean, you want to make every move, but then never want to trade OG or Scotty. But, like, how yeah. are you going to get anybody mm-hmm. unless you trade OG or Scotty? So, like, what's going on over there? Like, Masai gets all this credit for the Kawhi move that ended up getting him a championship. But it's like, outside of that, what has he done? Like, I'm just being real. And, like, everything is for hostage. He wanted the world for Kyle Laurie, you know, just, like, the world for everybody. And it's just, like, it's not happening. Like, he could have had a chance. Regardless if Dane would have been happy with the move or not, like, if you moved Scotty for Dane, you got Pascal, OG, and Dane possibly. And I'm not saying that's a super championship contender, but they they elevate to the first, in my opinion, the first tier in the Eastern Conference. And they just, I don't know, that's just weird to me. I, I don't know, but he's definitely a loser for me in this one, in the in the Raptors. Yeah, I think it's really interesting when you talk about the Raptors, how much of that reporting realistically came out of Toronto that they were interested or, uh, you know, that that Scotty Barnes or OG Ananobi could be the key to a deal. I mean, virtually none. Uh, Masai would rather keep that close to the vest, I would imagine, if he is realistically pursuing a trade for Damian Lillard. Uh, I, I don't deny that they were in on Lillard, I'm, I would imagine they certainly were. Uh, whether or not they were ever intent on offering Scotty Barnes or OG, I, I just don't think so. And I, not that I agree with it, but I, I just don't think that was ever their intent. I think this was, if we can get him for, you know, whatever spare parts, probably Gary Trent going back to Portland, which I know, uh, it wouldn't be what Blazers fans would be uh, dying for. Uh, you know, if they can get away with something like that and then matching salary plus picks to, to Len Lillard, I'm sure it would have been something they were interested in. Uh, personally, I probably would have looked into moving Barnes for Dame, uh, but there still remains the fact of would he, like Kawhi did, uh, get over his initial reservations about playing for Toronto uh, and end up playing ball? So, uh, there, there was a report. I, I think I saw Mark J. Spears, the the first one on this, but uh, that uh, about a week ago, maybe ten days ago, uh, the the Blazers, or or rather, I guess it was um, Lillard's agent who it was, uh, approached uh, about the possibility of going to Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Uh, so talks were were beginning to involve Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Dame gave his seal of approval for Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Uh, and then from there, it was just about making a, a, a deal work effectively. And so is that something that we can say about Toronto? I don't know that it is. It could be that Toronto's name was floated out there as well. But for all we know, Dame just didn't want to play there. So uh, the fact of the matter, when we look at it at the end of the day, is that the Raptors did not make the move. They are still stuck in limbo with two pending high price free agents. Uh, it is not 
the most enviable spot, even though they do have a nice talent pool as well. So I, I definitely think that's a, a quality loser there. Uh, Andy, who would you say is the loser of this entire situation other than the Miami Heat? Well, yeah, I was going to say the obvious answer is the Miami Heat for sure. Um, honestly, I I kind of like the deal for everyone involved. Of, of course, anyone that was close or had the potential to make a deal for Damian Lillard and didn't pull the trigger is going to be a loser, um, like the Boston Celtics. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand the hesitation from them to go all in. Um, I I agree more with Zach's side that uh, Toronto probably wasn't a real player for Damian Lillard. I feel like they were just kind of blowing smoke there. Um, maybe in part to help facilitate a trade for Portland or to continue trying to blow smoke up OGN and OB's trade value, um, which is probably dwindling by the second now. Uh, he becomes a free agent this this summer, so they they have to deal him if he's not going to resign, which it doesn't seem like he is. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'll say if it's not the Miami Heat, then then it's then it's Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's not a young star. He just showed that he is capable of helping to lead a championship team. But if Miami didn't push all the chips in the if they did push all the chips into the table, then you know you lost you lost out. But now, not only did you lose out on your plan A, you lost out on your plan B, which was not so secretly Giannis Antetokounmpo, who hinted that he would be willing to ask out of Milwaukee if they didn't build a championship contender on him. And with one move, Miami lost both of their options. And uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about what their plan C is soon. Um, but yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, the, the loser could be the Portland Trailblazers if DeAndre Aiden stinks, which I kind of think he does. Um, but yeah, hopefully in a better situation, he can regain some of his defensive prowess and uh, work on his hands and his ability to catch the ball in the post. But I'm not the biggest Aiden guy, but hopefully he can turn it around. Yeah, I mean, neither am I, especially with that contract that he... Again, I, th- I think it was Justin who said, you know, was was... Uh, forcibly given by the Phoenix Suns because they weren't about to just lose him for nothing. Uh, Still, he's young. He's talented. Maybe in a more feature role, he can continue to develop. uh, Has a little more freedom to do so with a little less pressure. That could uh, always be good for a player, certainly. But, uh, you know, I I definitely would... uh... The one player that I wonder when we're talking about losers, you know, the, the person player, it's, it's not in the same vein and it could easily flip depending on where he goes from here. Uh, so, so losers definitely the wrong word, but I, I guess more so, I just want to point out, you got to feel for drew holiday a little bit. You know, it, it was not even more than a few days uh, since the, the quote from holiday broke about him wanting to retire. Yesterday. Yesterday. yesterday and and yeah. and he's and he's been saying this for a while you know he's been saying that he wants to retire after this contract and uh you know he wants to retire as a buck and then it's it's immediately after that he's traded from Milwaukee to Portland where he knows that his NBA future is not certain because the Blazers aren't going to keep Holiday for the full season he's a pending free agent he's not uh, a match for their timeline so now he's looking to get shipped out. And, and again, we'll touch more on this in a little bit, but uh, I think you do have to feel for, for Holiday in the situation where you know he's leaving 
not only his home, the team he's been with for years, the team he won a championship with, and also now potentially the top contender in the league, let alone the Eastern Conference. But now he he faces this period of uncertainty as well. Uh, but moving from Holiday onto his former team, as I said, the Bucks could very well be the team to beat in the NBA as a whole. Now, the Denver Nuggets are still a favorite for a lot of people just based off of the fact that they have Nikola Jokic and a great system around him. Obviously, they uh, did go through their losses. Bruce Brown is no longer there. He's now in Indiana. Uh, however, what are we thinking the – have the Bucks done enough, I guess I should say, to make themselves the team to beat? Are they outpacing Phoenix? Are they outpacing Denver? Are they outpacing Boston? You know, what what stage are they at? Are they officially done, or, or do they need to make one or two more acquisitions before they win that favorite title? I, I personally think that I think that they they should definitely be the favorite coming out of the East. I know the Celtics have been I mean, they've both been neck and neck on final appearance or Easter Conference final appearance, stuff like that. But I definitely think they do need, of course, a little bit more depth. Um, I do think their backcourt of Dame and Pat Connington, who will probably be the other starter right now, is not good defensively at all. Um, but you do have Giannis and you do have um, – uh, Brooke Lopez back there, which will definitely help defensively. I don't think Middleton's as much of a defensive presence as he used to be. Um, but I do think they deserve, I mean, Dame and, and Giannis being on the same roster, that's just, that's just crazy. So I, I do think they've earned the right, well, not earned because they haven't played yet, but I do think right now going into the season, they, they, they should be the favorites. However, as we know, that doesn't matter when you come on the court. You got to play. They got to find the chemistry. They got to find what's right, you know, and, and go from there. Um, I do think that when you look at the Western Conference, Phoenix, of course, crazy. But, again, they got to figure that out, too. The only known that really is Denver. And, you know, Denver clearly shows that they do have talent. They do have the connections and, and stuff like that together to make a deep run. So, you know, do I think they're the favorite overall? I'm not sure to say that yet, but are they the favorite in the Eastern Conference? I think definitely. Yeah, you know, a lot uh, has changed just in this one move from Milwaukee. Obviously, the addition of Damian Lillard is huge. Uh, I, I think that it's not brave to say that he was the best player involved in the trade. I think that's fairly obvious, actually. Uh, the one thing that I would say about Milwaukee, and this isn't um, the Bucks are worse because they traded Drew Holiday for, for Damian Lillard. It's not that at all. The only thing is that they're going to have to replace that depth somehow. Uh, so before the trade, they were a little bit light on the guard side. Obviously, they had Holiday, they had Allen, both of which no longer on the team. So now you're looking at Manalik Beasley likely moving up or Pat Connaughton possibly to the starting lineup. Damian Lillard obviously replaces Drew Holiday, and that is huge. But they still have a need behind Lillard at the point. They still have a need for another either combo guard or even a wing if they prefer. Really just an option because unless Marshawn Beauchamp you know, makes another leap uh, or makes a leap rather in year two, 
they're they're going to be stuck between a rock and a hard place as far as depth throughout an 82 game season and frankly one injury away from a worrisome situation at the guard spot and then on top of that they really don't have any great current defensive options at guard unless andre jackson jr you know just hits the ground running which you never know i liked him a lot coming out of college out of uconn so who knows what could happen with that but i think that they still are probably a move or two away from the nba title favorite however i do agree in the eastern conference i'm not a huge believer in the chris Stapps porzingis uh addition in boston the sixers obviously have taken a step back as of this point in time miami has not progressed as they expected to this offseason by missing out on dame more than anything else obviously uh so i do think the bucks should be the favorites in the East. They were the number one seed last year. And looks like they've gotten better overall. It's just, can the team hold up? Can they make one or two more small additions? And at that point, they may seal up the title favorites for the entire NBA. But you're also right. They do have to play together first. So when we look now at what this means for Philadelphia, the first question is, well, with Damian Lillard, off the table, what happens with James Harden? Damian Lillard was the the big domino that the league was waiting to fall, and Harden's the very next domino. So what exactly is going to happen with Harden? Does this move the timeline up? What are the options? And is it possible that the options could tie in with this deal as well? So I've seen this reported from a number of different sources. Kyle Newbeck was the first I saw, but ESPN has doubled down on it. Jake Fisher just doubled down on it. But the Sixers are interested in reuniting with Drew Holiday. So that now becomes, is Drew Holiday the best combination of talent and availability that you can acquire this offseason or early in the season? So... Andy, I guess I'd start with you. What would you hope to see Portland get out of a Drew Holiday trade? I mean, that's the the big separator between the package they actually got versus the proposed Miami package is that whatever they can flip Drew Holiday for has to be better than what they would have been able to flip Tyler Hero for because the rest of the pieces are kind of a push. If you're looking at, three unprotected first-round picks from Miami versus DeAndre Ayton and one first-round pick and two pick swaps, then I would say those are even. If anything, it kind of leans more in Miami's favor. So what you're looking at is getting more than what Tyler Hero would have netted you. And I I don't really have confidence that they're going to get that because, I mean, it's been out there that Drew plans to retire after this contract. So this is basically his last year, and he wanted to do it in Milwaukee. So maybe he'll just – there, there should, there could be a chance he just does it now, right? I mean, that that's not Im- implausible. He wanted to retire in Miami. He's now in a rebuilding situation that's going to try to flip him, but maybe he doesn't like where he ends up or where he. It seems like he's going to end up, and maybe he just pulls the trigger. Um, but yeah, I, I would say they're going to look for a late first and or better. So maybe a late first and maybe a kind of promising young prospect, a la. Jaden Springer I think I think that could be a realistic deal just uh, lottery protected first and Jaden Springer I think that's really all you can hope to get for someone with one year left on their deal owed 
after the after this next season and threatening to retire. Yeah, as as far as the retirement possibility, um, and him retiring this year, I would imagine, even though these things tend to move fast, that that was discussed somewhere along the way before Portland agreed to this deal that included Drew Holiday. Uh, can Holiday spirit change? Absolutely. You know, that is uh, a, a decision that's solely with the player if they decide to retire. We've seen dramatic change lead to player retirements before. So I'd say you definitely have to worry about it, although, or, or consider it, I should say, but maybe we're not at the worry stage yet. You know, the one thing I will say is that Drew Holiday is, is, at the very top of the the family men in the NBA, uh, you know his, his wife Lauren Holiday, obviously an incredibly talented soccer player, played for the U.S. Women's National Team many times. Uh, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that she has since retired, and so to be able to retire as a big happy family, uh, just from all that I've seen from the holiday family would mean a lot to everybody involved. So again, it is, it is a possibility, but I don't know that it's a likelihood yet. And when we talk about the types of teams that are going to be looking for holiday, we're, we're looking at contenders, obviously. So uh, some people have connected the Boston Celtics. I, I don't think so based on the years left on Brogdon's contract, the injury history, the lack of interest around the league, the, the lack of, of, uh, I mean, unless they were to combine him and Horford, which losing Horford would be a severe loss for the Celtics as well. It's just not the most sensical fit. Uh, you could be talking about teams like the the New York Knicks. The Brooklyn Nets maybe don't make so much sense. The Miami Heat, however, I think are a perfect fit for Drew Holiday, as are the Philadelphia 76ers. And we've just looked at teams in the Eastern Conference. You know, Then you talk about teams like the LA Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers, if this takes a while and they're able to eventually trade some of their recently signed players. Uh, there are other teams that could really benefit from a Drew Holiday trade. So I think there will be something of a bidding war. The one, I guess, saving grace you could say is that when you look at picks the Sixers can trade, first round picks, let's take for instance, you're looking at the 2029 first round pick. If you look at the landscape of the Sixers and the, the projected direction of their franchise, and there's a lot of different ways that that could split, but looking at the majority of them, come 2029, that could be a very attractive draft pick. And so if you were to have, it, it's it's not going to come unprotected. It's so rare that teams will trade unprotected picks that far out when they have no other draft picks unless they're getting a, a true superstar, which as talented as Holiday is, he is not quite that. However, it, it is going to be solid enough value where you could be looking uh, at a situation that they could outbid other teams based but almost pretty much on that fact alone. The question then becomes, what do we do in terms of salary matching? And the two obvious options are either Tobias Harris or James Harden. Now, with James Harden, it gets really complicated because the NBA does have their trade restriction rules around retrading players. Uh, so while Holiday can be traded before the typical 60 days are up, he cannot be traded in aggregation with another player or pick out of Portland. 
So this is where it gets kind of complicated, but it's that's Daryl Moore's job is to figure out a situation like this. But I guess the question I would pose to Justin is, Justin, would you prefer either option A, landing Drew Holiday in some sort of three, possibly four-team trade where uh, it, James Harden is the primary asset leaving Philadelphia, or would you prefer to potentially acquire him by moving Tobias Harris and draft compensation? What would you, and then James Harden, you get whatever you can for him to to fill in what you lose for Tobias. What would your preferred avenue be? You're on mute. Can you hear me now? All right, my bad. I don't know what was happening with my mute button. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I would prefer option A for sure. Um, I just think that like a nice multi-team deal to, you know, move hard and, and get Drew back, I think it will work. Um, I think Tobias, you got to hold on to him as contract. Um, I think because like, I don't think Harden's coming back at all. Like, I think that ship has sailed and you can do some multi-team deal to get Drew out of this. You still keep Tobias. And then you still have that money come off the books next year to try to get a you know another guy for max cap space. I think that makes more sense financially and for the future of the team. Um, but yeah, I think you got to hold on to the buyers right now. And I don't think James is coming back. So at this point, if you can move him for holiday, it's not a one for one. But if you can make a three team deal or something like that happen, I think I think you got to go that route. That way, you move off of James and his club appearances with signs that say Daryl Morey is a liar as he pops bottles. Like it's not going to get any better. So if yeah. you can move on from him and Jake Fisher had outlined his, his piece that he just dropped that there is a potential framework where, you know, the Clippers could get what they want. Everybody can get what they want. And Portland could possibly one end up with two late protected picks. And that, that would be a good outcome for everybody. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about, and, and, in that piece uh, that you're referring to from Fisher, uh, the idea of two draft picks, like you said, one from each team. If both picks are then going to Portland, I would hope the protection would be slightly higher. Like say if you're negotiating a deal where uh, you're trading Tobias Harris, for instance, uh, probably a, a lightly protected 2029 first would be the, linchpin of of the assets leaving philadelphia because again they can flip harris at the deadline and and harris's contract at the deadline for a team that wants to trade him is going to be another lucrative asset uh whereas with the harden trade i would hope the protections like you said justin could be stacked up a little bit more you know even even if it's top 10 protected uh, i would hope lottery protected but even top 10 protected you know two first round picks for drew holiday that sounds great, Andy. That sounds like an offer that could beat the Miami offer that was that may or may not have been proposed. Uh, and then you're talking about more expiring contracts, for instance, going from from LA to Portland, or they could attempt to complicate this even further just by adding in more salary, more salary. You know, PJ Tucker's been talked about uh, in connection to the Clippers. Norm Powell's been talked about in connection to the Sixers. You know, can they add more players? so that it is uh, not just Drew coming to Philadelphia. It would have to be just Drew leaving Portland, but perhaps they can 
negotiate some type of deal that uh, the Sixers are able to not only acquire a quality starter, uh, fringe star in Holiday, but also create even more depth than the roster currently has as well. Uh, so it definitely is an interesting look. As far as Harden goes, it still pretty much just seems like the Clippers is the other difficult part of this. Now, if New York were an option, that gives you a little bit more uh, freedom as well negotiating with Portland, but that doesn't seem overly likely. Uh, there just doesn't seem to be... <laughs> He's not approaching this the same way Lillard did. And that was one thing, uh, despite all the, the heartache and trouble that the situation uh, caused for everyone involved, whether it's the Blazers organization, the Blazers fans, or Damian Lillard, that's the one difference with the James Harden situation is that there may not be a point where Harden is approached and says, okay, I'll split off from my, you know, my one team that I demanded and I'll open it up to maybe a list of three teams. Uh, now, th- what could possibly change that is if the idea of Miami is alluring enough to him. And if that's alluring enough to the Heat, personally, I think that James Harden, and, well, I won't say they would kill each other. I would say Jimmy Butler would probably kill James Harden before the season would end. It just seemed like completely different battling personalities. Uh, I'm not sure how that union would be. I'm not sure how heat culture Pat Riley would feel about a guy like James Harden. But you cannot deny that he could be perhaps the most talented player. Maybe not the best fit because Holiday is a great fit in Miami too. But the most talented player that the Heat could still acquire. So maybe that's the one team that Harden ends up saying, you know, I could go here also, especially now that they've missed out on Dame. But it it seems pretty limited as far as the options for Philadelphia at this point. It is going to be interesting to see what happens over the next, I would say, few days. Now, uh, Jake Fisher in his article pointed out how it took several days for uh, the Golden State Warriors to land Chris Paul for him to be flipped after the Bradley Beal deal. It may or may not be a similar timeline. We shall see. You know, that's that's something that we're we're not going to know basically until it happens. But there's going to be more interest around Drew Holiday than there was around Chris Paul. I believe there likely won't be around James Harden, but. If this motivates Daryl Morey to negotiate, you know, in a little bit of a lighter fashion with the Clippers, be a little more flexible, a little more giving to the Clippers, if it can land him a player like Drew Holiday, maybe that's another potential avenue that the Sixers do find themselves down. But whatever is going to happen, it's definitely going to be interesting. We finally have reached the interesting part of the offseason for the Sixers. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen from here. We are just a few days away from media day, from training camp. This could even happen this weekend. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you always have to be on alert is the stage that we're currently at. And as soon as there is an update to give, you know that we here at Philly Sports Network and with the Still Processing, Processing Podcast will give it to you. I know that it is a lot to deal with, Looking, you know, working on the trade machine all the time, looking at all the different avenues, waiting for James Harden to be traded. Is Tyrese Maxey going to be traded? Uh, Damian Lillard was traded in Milwaukee. Looks like Tyrese Maxey is, in fact, staying. It's a lot to deal with. 
Just take your time and just know that just like you guys, we are still processing.